Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hello, Car Wash Nation. This is David Begin. Welcome to this episode of the How of Car Washing. Uh, my guest today is Aaron Green, who's the CEO of Focus Car Wash Solutions in Denver, Colorado. Aaron's been a good friend of mine for over a decade, I think, at this point. We, we started in the car wash business back in the two, mid-2000s and became fast friends. And we've talked a lot about things that are happening in the car wash industry. And uh, it's always fun to talk to Aaron because he gives things a lot of detailed thought. And he, he's always challenging my thinking. But um, he's now currently CEO of Focus Car Wash Solutions, which is a provider of equipment and services of car washing supplies in Denver. Aaron, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah, yeah. So one thing we talked about last year quite a bit was drying, so drying cars. So we always talk about clean, shiny, and dry. And a lot of us are getting cars clean and shiny, but we're not getting them as dry as we used to. So again, I like to kind of talk about where, are we, where have we come from? So we're seeing some mega trends in the car wash industry that is kind of creating some challenges for car wash operators to really get a dry car. And so can you discuss what's, what's happening that's, that's creating that challenge? You know, I think one challenge that has taken place, um, we're building shorter tunnels and increasing volume rate. You, what your first two sites were what, 150 foot tunnels? Yeah. And your last one is 120? Yeah, it's almost like 100, 110. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, with the belt technology, with the increased cost of land, with all, you know, land availability, all of these things have led to smaller, shorter tunnels, all the, all while volume is increasing. So we're trying to run faster in a shorter space. Right. And I think that has created some issues and, and the amount of time and drip space and, some of the areas that we talk about for drying a car and then the style of car. Okay. Okay. So a couple of things. So let's take it, go back in the way back machine 20 years ago. You know, one thing that uh, a friend, you know, our friend Ryan had told me is that, you know, you now have probably two to three times the amount of equipment in a tunnel than you did 20 years ago. Right. So we're, we're, we're cramming a lot of equipment into a tunnel, even to the point where, you know, we're standing on top of each other because we want to be able to wash as many, you know, one of the things that most of us focus on is production, which means we want to wash as many cars as we can per hour, as long as we, we've got the demand. And so that's, that's been a big change in the way we do things. So that's allowed us to take a hundred foot tunnel and increase the line speed from 40 cars an hour, maybe to 80 cars an hour, what, 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 whatever it might be. You know, here's, we, we just opened one 110-foot uh, building. It's a dual belt conveyor, 110-foot building, 95-foot conveyor, and we're running that thing at 160 cars an hour. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And some of that's a testament to the belt um, technology. Yeah. You know, it gives you to run a little higher line speeds, but... But yeah, so we're, we're cramming cars through there. So, you know, the one thing that we used to do, and, this, and I used to see this quite a bit, you talk about dwell time. So explain what you mean when you're talking about dwell time. Well, there's, uh, there's dwell time and then there's drip space 
in, okay. in a car wash. So dwell time is the amount of time that a chemical sits on a car before we really start the wash process, before we start the agitation, before we start the brushes hitting it. Um, and so we've shortened that space because we're trying to get more equipment in. And then we've shortened because we're putting more equipment in. There used to be from your last rinse arch to your first dryer, we called that the drip space. And that was the amount of time that a car spent with nothing happening to it where it could shed its own water. And we've essentially taken that down to, it used to be 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15, 18 feet was kind of the minimum accepted space in that department. Okay. We're down to five feet. We're down to three feet. Right. And so, you know, we've, we've got to do some things chemistry wise to, to do that, but the cars are wetter entering the dryers than they ever were before. Right. Right. And so some things we try to do, right. So one thing we try to compensate is more dryers. So I've seen, you know, we've been a big increase in the number of dryers that we used, we used um, now. So you might've had five dryers back in the old days. And now you're talking almost 15 dryers in some cases. And yeah. So there used to be a standard when I got into the industry in 2005, the, there was two standards. You needed one foot of conveyor for every car per hour you wanted to run. Right. So if you wanted to run 160 cars an hour, you needed a 160 foot long conveyor. Um, With the belt technology, that kind of number is out the window. The other one was you needed one horsepower of drying for every car per hour you were going to run. Okay. um, I think that number still relatively holds true. Um, One of the first things that people want to do and, Uh, when you see people ask questions about drying, I'm not getting my car as dry. Uh, Okay, well, have you exceeded the speed with which you could effectively dry a car? Because you just don't have enough dryers, right? You you can't. uh, Most people today are running 10 horsepower, very few run 15 anymore. So they're so they're 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 running multiple 10s and as opposed to maybe in the older days, they ran fewer 15 horsepower mode. Yeah. Most of the old dryers were 15 horse. Right. And so you'd have, you know, five of those. And I think that's one of the things that people don't look at, right. Is what your horsepower, but over the course of years, I think manufacturers have found out that the amount of CFMs or however you measure that, right. Is not significantly more in a 15 horse. Okay. But, but the cost is. So we've gone to mostly 10 horsepower dryers in today's world. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's not an easy trade. You can't just say, well, I had five and I put five new ones in. I replaced the five and it's worse. Well, you know, there is some drop. But you still have to pay attention. If you're running 70 horsepower of drying and you're trying to run 130 cars an hour, you're just not moving enough air at that speed. Right. To effectively dry a car. Yeah. So so some of that's incumbent on when you do your car wash design, making sure you give yourself enough room. For the number of arches. Yep. You know, enough enough arches. Electrically. Yeah. And you've got it set up so that you're thinking about drying, you know, you're putting drying on the forefront of that. So we've seen some big improvements in chemistry probably in the last 10 years. So Walk us through where, what, what has to happen in the tunnel from a chemistry perspective 
to get the car ready for drying. And I think this is something a lot of, you know, some people don't consider as much is, you know, depending on your chemistry mix, you know, you want to give yourself every chance to get that car dry at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So I'm not a chemist, but in simple terms, it's this, you know, uh, you want an alkaline or a high pH at the beginning um, to break the bond of some of these road grime and bugs and things like that. Right. And then a high pH or an alkaline or a neutral would be something like a dishwashing soap. And if you go and you're washing your hands and you'll find that your hands in your sink are probably fairly difficult to rinse. If you've ever noticed that, it's kind of slimy. Mm-hmm. So you've got to, you want to start there, but then you've got to break that and get it to a, a surface that is easier to rinse, which is a low pH or an, or an acidic. And so you want to lower the pH of the cars it goes through. And then you want to try to remove as much water and get it to start shedding its water. And these, there's these drying agents and these surfactants that bind these water molecules up to shed the water. And then it enters into the drying system. Okay. So, so the drying agent, has that gotten better over time? Has anything changed with drying agent? Uh, significantly better. Yeah. The, probably the thing that's changed the most is there was a product, mineral seal oil was, I think, the most commonly used ingredient in drying agent. And uh, we've gotten into some greener products that are more reclaim friendly and, and city friendly. And so um, we're, we're able to dry a little bit better that way. Okay. Okay. And what, and, and describe again, what, what's the purpose of a drying agent? What, what does it do to the water? And, and, you know, if you're a car wash owner operator, you should, you know, you should be standing at the end of your tunnel witnessing this, but if you're new to the industry, you know, can, can you just explain real quickly what would be, you know, what, 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 what are you looking for? You're looking for what you would see if you've ever freshly waxed your car by hand. Right. Okay. Those of us that are older, right, right after you waxed your car and the first rainstorm and you saw these big droplets of water bead together. Um, and so we're looking for it to pull these water molecules into larger beaded molecules that will run off the car. Okay. Okay. So it, it actually creates surface tension. So water has got surface tension on it. And what it does is it gathers the water up into big droplets so that the droplets then will roll off the car quicker and easier. Yes. And leave less residue. So if you've seen a car like that hasn't been waxed in a while, you can kind of see how the water streaks across it. It's not gathering up, it's trying to dissipate. And it's much more difficult to deal with smaller water droplets than it is larger water droplets. Yes. So that's, that, that's kind of what you're looking for. And so, you know, if you're a manager or you're an owner, I really encourage, you know, you, this is what I, you know, I've talked about in, in subsequent podcasts, but it's really important that your managers and your team members stand at the end of the tunnel and watch the product that's being produced. And one of the things you want to check is, are we getting enough drying agent on the car? Is the chemistry correct throughout the tunnel so that when I'm, the car is finally hitting the blowers, I'm seeing the vast majority of that, that water roll off. Yeah. And when it hits the blowers, you can, it, a car that is not properly entered into this to the drying area 
you'll see the water kind of move in sheets. It just kind of flattens out on the car. Right. Whereas if you are, if you've done all of these other things and your car is ready to be dried, you'll see the water just almost explode, right? These droplets just explode and move freely on the car, on the surface of the car. Yeah. It looks like it really wants to get off the car. That's that's the way I would describe it when it's working well, is it can't wait to get off the car. Where if it's cheating, it's like it wants to kind of hang around for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Whether you are a new investor or a seasoned operator looking to make improvements, the experienced team at Focus can help you every step of the way. For more information, please go to focusedcarwash.com. So the one thing I think that is important that you've kind of preached to me is if people that continually struggle with drying cars, if, if they've got their speed down correctly, if they've got the right number of blowers the, the, and they've got their chemistry correctly, the fourth thing that's probably the most difficult is blower placement. And, and you seem to have some real strong opinions on how to, how to have blower placement because you, you could have all the blowers in the world and still end up with a wet car coming out. So you've, you've got some ideas and some secrets on maybe how to, how to address that. Well, it comes, it, for me, it comes down to, um, are your air patterns conflicting and fighting one another? And are you continuously trying to move water back to an area or back to a surface that you've already tried to dry? Um, and so, you know, you could do this experiment at home with your wife's blow dryers, right? Take them and put some water on, on your countertop and take the dryers and place them at the same angle and the, and the water will just sit in the middle and just move back and forth. Take one of those hair dryers and just move it a couple of inches one direction and you've changed the air pattern on the, on the surface and now the water molecules can move. Yes. So what's so when you're when you pull a car out of a tunnel, what's what's indicative that you realize that the you're seeing these air patterns fight each other? I call it the skunk stripe, and probably most car washers are are familiar with it. You get a line down the center of your vehicle that is water molecules, and they've and they've joined together, and your dryers have dried the outside, maybe dried the edges, but you have a center line straight down the middle of your vehicle right up the windshield going over the top of the car. Okay. Um, and so when you see these, when you see a line and it may be in the center, it may be slightly cheated to the driver's side or the passenger side, right? Depending on the width of the vehicle. But if you see us, if you see a line, then you have an air conflicting problem. And okay. so the, the standard practice and, and everybody wants to, they want to, the way a blower is set up is it pulls from one side and exhausts out the bottom. And everybody wants to pull clean air. They want to pull from the exit side of the tunnel so that they're pulling clean air or air that um, is cooler because it's maybe coming from outside, but also the water vapor is not as is in, is in the air as much. If you turn that blower around and you're pulling from the wash side, you could be pulling in wet air. So everybody wants to pull clean air, but that puts your exhaust on the same side of every arch and 
this is where I start to develop a strong opinion. I think it's less important to pull from clean air. I think it's more important to disrupt or change the air pattern and with the exhaust location and even moving at six, eight inches makes all the difference in the drying of a car. Okay. So, so you, you've done some interesting things. So you'll, you'll talk about clean air versus air that's not clean, right? So if we're trying to suck clean air, we typically would point those, those um, intakes, I guess, yep. lower intakes, you'd point them toward the exit to try to pull in the air from the outside. But, but you'll actually flip blower sometimes and, and, and pull air. So you can get a little different, little different, um, you know, you, you can kind of offset that blower shaft. What, what, what do you call the end, the end of the blower? The, the exhaust, right? Okay, exhaust. Whatever. Yeah. You know, there's, there's two things. So my philosophy is I want to move, I want to move air from the center out and from the top down. And so I want my dryers in as tight a V early on as I can get them in a reverse V. Um, so I want the open end of the V facing the exit of the car wash. So okay. I, want a, I want as tight a V as I can get. Now, if I put all of my dryers and if I put the intake all on the same side of the arch, the housing itself moves my, my exhaust further away from each other. Okay. If I turn one, one direction, and then I can, and then the, now the motors are lining up and the housing is not as, is not affecting me as much and the motors are smaller. So I can get a tighter V pattern early on so that I can get that water to move from the center of the car to the outside of the car. Okay. And then I want to start pushing that water down the side of the car. So I start moving my dryers out a little bit further. And then the last thing that I do is I want to push the water on down and I want what I call a cleanup blower. Okay. Um, and it's, it's inevitable that you're going to get some water because of the shapes and sizes and heights of vehicles and the, the blowers. It would be great someday if I guess it mapped the car and the blowers moved on an arch automatically. So you didn't have to worry about hood heights and shapes and sizes and all of these things width but you're going to get some water to move back to the center of the car. There's no way around it. And so I push the water down and my last blower is its own blower, sometimes two, but, and it faces, it pulls from the exit side, it pulls from clean air. And it's the only thing on that side of the arch to dissipate that last little bit over the top of the hood. Okay. Um, I should say I'm a, I'm a big fan of flash dryer. Okay. There's that, that word is used quite frequently. People will say a flash dryer and a flash dryer is right after the last arch. But to me, that's just a dryer. Um, this, this goes into some principles that, that I think exist. Um, to me, you're just starting the drying process at that point and starting water molecules moving and then letting them come to rest and then having a, a space and trying to start them again. Once you have those molecules in movement, right? An object in motion is easier to keep in motion. Object okay. at rest is harder to get in motion. Right. Um, so I think once you start that drying process, you need to keep it. 
So I don't really call that a flash dryer. I put a flash dryer before I enter into my waxes and my final rinses. Okay. And the reason for that, um, I think it gives me a cleaner rinse. It blows out some of the residual foam uh, and wash out of the window cowling, out of under luggage racks, under spoilers, all of those kinds of things. And it gives me a, cl a cleaner surface for my waxes and my drying agent and my spot-free rinse to actually touch the surface of the car. And I've removed a lot of bad water from that vehicle already. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan in helping the drying process of putting a flash dryer before your rinse and, and wax arches. Okay, good. I was going to ask you about that, what your opinion was about that, but that's good. So yeah, we're starting to see that more and more in newer tunnels. Yeah. So, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, I think if it's after, it's just the drying process. And I think once you start the molecules in motion, keep them moving. Cool. Don't, don't stop them. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a, a significant thing in drying. Okay. Okay. And it really helps, right? So, I mean, our customers have an expectation the car is going to be dry and, you know, we still struggle with drying a little bit. You know, we're much better in our third wash than our first two. But, um, you know, we, you know, I think people, we talk about clean, shiny, and dry, and dry is an important part of that. And some people feel like their car isn't washed if it's not effectively dried. Yeah, you know, um, I heard a story kind of, there's these drying huggers, the buff and shine. I don't know what all the names of them are, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And one of the companies I heard, um, they were asking people, they were moving dryers and they were switching them and this and putting in more and, you know, drip space and increasing the drying agent, doing all of these things that you would historically do. And they thought they were producing the driest car that they had ever produced in their years of operation. And they asked customers, you know, how did you think your car was dry? Well, it was still pretty wet. And they were like, what are you talking about? You know, we, we've, we've done all of these things. Well, I looked at my mirrors and my mirrors were still wet. So my car was wet. Oh, man. And, um, you know, now you have a buff and dry to try to address those areas. But I think it's an interesting statement you make where, you know, it's an important component and people will feel like their car didn't get clean if it didn't get dry. Right. And we have, to, you know, everybody's perception of what dry is, is different. Right. Right. So it's something we've got to focus on. We've got to get better at. And, you know, as competition comes into the market, it's really important that we, we really produce a clean, shiny and dry car. That third component of dry is important. Yeah. And, you know, this is under the basic assumption and don't these clean, shiny and dry are circular and they, they and they stack upon each other. You can't get to dry if you can't get shiny and you can't get to shiny if you can't get clean. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. You know, you're not going to produce a dry car if you're not doing the first two correctly. Right. And, you know, so they stack on each other and they're circular in that all three are together and they're, they're intimately intertwined. Yeah. So um, don't assume that you have something wrong with your dryers, right? Start, start first with, are we clean? Have we done the right chemistry to get a clean car? Are we applying the right chemistry again to get shiny and then then worry about your drying right good point good point good information Aaron I appreciate this I'm, I learn all the time when you and I visit and I think this you know drying I think you've, you've got a good you know head around drying I think you're one of the few 
people that really think about this and how you set it up. And, you know, I've seen some great results of car washes that you've done and, uh, and the results that are being produced. So if people want to hire you as a expert car wash dryer, where would they contact you? Well, you can uh, find me on our website at www.focusedcarwash.com. Okay. Um, or you can um, call our office at 1-866-303-6287. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. If you got some questions, Aaron's always happy to talk to you. But if you know if you're interested in rehabbing your dryers or getting some ideas, he's good at that as well. So Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate uh, your time today. I appreciate it, David. Thanks for having me. So thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. We appreciate you listening. If you'd like to leave a comment on iTunes and Stitcher, we'd love to have your comments and give us some ideas on some future episodes, if you will. You can go to our website at thehowofcarwashing.com. Until next time, this is David Begin. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on The How of Car Washing. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.